welcome to our first episode of Secrets Untold. Are you excited? I'm very excited, I think. Okay, so today we're going to be... How are you feeling, first of all? Sorry. I'm feeling great. I'm excited to discuss our topic today. Yeah, we're discussing the Zodiac Killer today. So, shall we just get right in? Okay. So, a summary, if you don't already know about the Zodiac Killer is that he is currently an unidentified American serial killer and had murdered at least five people in Northern California between 1968 and 1969. Yes, so obviously he's a very violent person. Yeah, and he's also quite... um, famous for being unidentified yes because no one has been able to found him quite a lot yes it has been a long Long time time. and he still hasn't been found yes so yeah so for a bit of background the 1960s were a time of violence and not only did the united states see itself at war internationally but political violence definitely filled the streets um there were the assassinations of men like john f kennedy and his brother robert uh, so in the world of crime, this decade that the Zodiac Killer was present in was a very dark one. We had the Manson family bringing terror to California, which was followed swiftly by the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, so you can obviously see from the time there was mm-hmm. a lot of like killings and everything yeah. else, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go right into the uh, his name. So the Zodiac Killer got his name from a series of taunting letters and cards that were mailed to newspaper outlets which threatened killing sprees and bombings if they were not printed in the paper. Yeah, so this was written by him. Yeah, these These were written personally from him. And you can obviously see that he's an attention seeker. Yeah, he's very confident in himself. He's clearly given himself a name. Yeah. And it's something he wants to be known by. Yeah, and he wants that control yeah. over everything. Society. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we're going to get into the timeline of what happened and what the Zodiac Killer did. So October the 30th, 1966, was the murder of Sherry Josephine Bates, who was murdered near the Riverside City College Library. So Sherry Josephine Bates was described as sweet, outgoing, and a classic classic all-American girl of the 1960s. She'd been born in Nebraska in 1948, and her family was modest, but she'd become an honor student and cheerleader, um, and was well-known at Ramona High School. In 1957, she relocated to Riverside, California, and she loved to and she loved life in California, having aspirations to travel and become a flight attendant. Mm. So obviously, a very nice girl. Yeah, a very yeah. You know, ordinary life. Yeah, a very There's nothing like, to nothing wrong. Nothing yeah. like nothing that you could see that is like a motive for yeah, him, for to, him kill to kill her. Upon graduation, she enrolled at Riverside City College. She got a job at the Riverside National Bank to bring some extra money into the house. She's shared with her father since her parents divorced in 1965. Her father, Joseph, was a mechanist in the naval, <coughs> naval ordinate. 
laboratory near Corona, with her brother serving in the Navy itself. So you can see from that that she must have had a difficult childhood with her parents' divorce in 1965. But there's nothing that indicates that she had anything that could be a motive. Yeah, definitely. I think also because her brother was in the Navy, she might have, we can assume that she might have not seen him as much or she she doesn't see a lot of her family. She's quite isolated. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Secluded. So Sherry Josephine Bates also had a boyfriend at the time called Dennis Highland. So Highland had also attended Riverside City College with his and then transferred to San Francisco State to play football. Friends had said they were deeply in love. So that's like very nice. It's like a very nice situation to be in. She's in love. She's got like some sort of like support. support. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're gonna get into the actual um, thing that happened to her. So driving her Volkswagen Beetle, Bates arrived around 6.10pm and eyewitnesses described the second car seemingly following close behind a bronze coloured 1965 or 1966 Oldsmobile she stayed pretty late at the library all the way until closing time when she exited and headed back towards her vehicle it was the last time she was ever seen alive subsequent witnesses reports say that a man was lurking in the shadows across the street he had been described as around 20 years old and roughly 5 foot 11 in height and noted to have been staring in the direction of the Bates beetle. Oh, that's so, a bit I mean, scary. If we assume that this is the Zodiac killer who is watching, yeah. staring in the direction of Bates's beetle, then 20 years old is a very young age. It is, definitely. We could perhaps like... Especially far from that, that he's had some sort of trauma. Yeah, some childhood trauma. That's definitely. Motive, maybe. <clears throat> what do you yeah. think? I think because he's so young, it just obviously illustrates something has happened yeah. to make him. Because obviously, you know, it's so young. Mm. Yeah. So, when his daughter didn't return home, Joseph Bates, her father filed a missing person report at 5.43 a.m. Um, having first phoned Stephanie, her mother, to check that she wasn't staying overnight, that Sherry Jo wasn't staying overnight. At around 6.28 a.m., Bates's body was found on the college campus by Cleophus Martin, a groundskeeper, and she'd been repeatedly stabbed. Repeatedly stabbed. So repeatedly stabbed. Yeah. So it's not like a hit and run. No. It so he obviously it like he shows that he's obviously anger yeah towards it's anger filled yeah yeah mm. um however to say to even say that she was stabbed might be something of an understatement because her body was found face down on a gravel path between two empty houses on Teresina Drive not far from the library parking lot so that's like in a public place yeah so he obviously had like no shame mm-hmm. in doing it okay and the fact that she was left in between empty houses shows that he clearly knew there were no witnesses to what he'd done yeah definitely yeah okay so she was covered in blood through being repeatedly stabbed in the chest 
and there were deep slash wounds to her face and neck, three gouges severing her jugular and larynx to the point of near decapitation. Um, there were also stab and slash wounds to her hands and arms and significant bruising to the head, which shows that she's been kicked. Um, some of the injuries were inflicted while she's been on the ground, so it has been a very savage and like frenzied attack. Definitely. Whoa. That's like so like scary. It shows how inhumane he's been also, with what yeah. he's done, how he's done it. And also how probably like petrified the groundskeeper could have seen just to see that a student yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Such a young innocent like, girl. Yeah. yeah. So the body was still dressed in a long sleeve yellow print blouse and red capri pants with her straw bag laying nearby, seemingly immediately ruling out a sexual motive or robbery. Yeah. Because um, I don't think anything was stolen. No. It was... Yeah. It was just a kill. Mm. So it's... There's a very, like, debatable motive for what he's done. Like, yeah. we said earlier about childhood trauma because mm. of what how young he was. Yeah. But there doesn't seem to be a sexual motive. Yeah. Nothing. Motive out of greed. No, yeah. Nothing of that sort. So in terms of actual evidence at the scene, investigators found significant amounts of skin and hair under Bates's fingernails, which, along with deep furrows in the ground, showed that she'd put up a big fight. The killer would have received significant wounds. Also found at the scene was a paint-splattered Timex watch with a footprint from shoes produced at a Levensworth prison and only sold in military outlets outlets the shoe was between the size eight and ten so the fact like i think from the main bit of this that i just said is the shoes that they are only found in like prisons or military outlets so this guy obviously we can assume that this guy has like a a struggled past yeah for like military being like Mm -hmm. war and everything and um prison being crime so you you can infer that he's obviously done something wrong in the past that's like changed his like mental health Mm -hmm. definitely and also the fact that Bates has clearly put up a fight yeah definitely shows shows that she didn't have anything to hide she's protecting herself and he's just going against all of that yeah and it just it's it's so sad you know it really is yeah so we're gonna move on to the second time he has killed, which is November 29, 1966. A letter is mailed to the Riverside Police Department that details Sherry Joe Bates's murders and warns police that they will do the murder again. The note is as follows. She was young and beautiful, but now she is battered and dead. She is not the first and she will not be the last. I lay awake nights thinking about my next victim. Maybe she will be the beautiful blonde that babysits near the little store and walks down the dark alley each evening at about seven. Or maybe she'll be the shapely blue-eyed brunette that said no when I asked her for a date in high school. But maybe it will not be either. But I shall cut off her female parts and deposit them for the whole city to see. So don't make it easy, too easy for me. Keep your sisters, daughters and wives off the streets and alleys. Miss Bates was stupid. She went to the slaughter like a lamb. She did not put up a struggle, but I did. It was a ball. I first pulled the middle wire from the distributor. 
Then I waited for her in the library and followed her out after about two minutes. The battery must have been about dead by then. I then offered to help. She was then very willing to talk to me. I told her that my car was down the street and that I would give her a lift home. When we were away from the library walking, I said it was about time. She asked me about time for what? I said it was about time for her to die. I grabbed her around the neck with my hand over her her mouth and my other hand with a small knife at her throat. She went very willingly. Her breast felt very warm and firm under my hands, but only one thing was on my mind, making her pay for the brush-offs that she had given me during the years prior. She died hard. She squirmed and shook as I choked her, and her lips twitched. She let out a scream once, and I kicked her head to shut her up. I plunged the knife into her, and it broke. I then finished the job by cutting her throat. I am not sick, I am insane, but that will not stop the game. The letter, This letter should be pu- published for all to read it. It just might save that girl in the alley. But that's up to you. It will be on your conscience, not mine. Yes, I did make that call to you also. It was just a warning. Beware. I am stalking your girls now. Okay, that was quite a heavy letter. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely like a heavy letter. Um, So, something I noticed from this is that when he says, like... Maybe she'll be the beautiful blonde that babysits near the little store and walks down the dark alley each evening about seven. He's kind of got a picture of who his next victim is. Yeah, definitely. He's like, he's got people in mind. It's like he's romanticising the killing. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Definitely. Yeah. I also noticed that he is, the killer is like, very controlling yeah in that it talks about what he did to the car to make her feel like to trap her basically in that situation so he's he's got a good plan yeah he definitely has it looks like he's definitely had a plan for it yeah yeah and obviously the the vulgar imagery is just disgusting yeah and but you can see in some bits, like, when it bl- says blue-eyed brownette, that's like a... It's supposed to be brunette. Because you yeah. can obviously infer that he's, like... He might not be the smartest one. Yeah. So he's obviously got some grammatical and spelling errors in so the letter. So when you look at the actual letter, you can see the handwriting is Yeah. Yeah, it's quite bad. Bad. Yeah. So, moving on to December 20th, 1968. One night... Of December 20th, 1968, 17-year-old David Foray arrived at home of his new girlfriend, Betty Lou Jensen, in the small California city of Benicia. The teenagers had met two weeks earlier while attending a church function and had become so attached to one another that David was soon cutting classes to visit Betty Lou. As the young couple departed for what was to be their first official date, David promised Mr. and Mrs. Jensen that he would return his daughter by 11pm. The proud parents watched Betty Lou and their new suitor climb into David's Rambler station wagon and drove away. This would be the last time they ever saw their daughter. Yes. Which is... It's very emotional. Yeah. And obviously, you'd think from that kind of experience... Mm. To me, if I saw that and that was my children, I would blame 
the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like that the parents might it's have... It's like a difficult situation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So... David and Betty Lou did not keep their promise, and shortly after 11pm, a driver travelling along a darkened stretch of Lake Herman Road found the young couple lying on the ground in a spot known as a lover's lane. So the teenagers had been shot to death while Mr and Mrs Jensen were waiting at home, resisting to the urge to glance at the clock. Left with no clues or viable suspects, Benicia Police believed that the two teenagers were the victims of a random act of senseless violence. Hopes of catching the killer faded by summer and it seemed that the case would remain unsolved. Yeah, like there's obviously from the two that we've or two that we've covered um, it has like a coincidence of both of them being like in a relationship. That might be just a coincidence but from the two both relationships were said to be very happy and very much in love. So you could say that the Zodiac Killer doesn't like people in love. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also the fact that they're teenagers as well. Yeah. Such young ages. Yeah, and um, especially yeah. as a result of the letter, another killing has happened. Yeah. So... And the other thing is that this, this murder is two years after the first murder of mm. Sherry Jo Bates... Yeah. So he's taken a break. He has taken a, a break. So you could say it maybe it stops people assuming yeah. that it was like a serial killer. Or he could have like done something like from obviously with Sherry Joe, he got hurt, so obviously he had to take time to recover. And also he might have gone to prison. You know, maybe. you never yeah. know, because because it was said that his shoes were from a prison or like a military, yeah. so maybe there was some aspect into that mm-hmm. too. That, so, for this part one of the Zodiac Killer, we're gonna end it on a cliffhanger, and we're gonna continue the timeline in our next episode, as well as looking and as well as looking into some conspiracy theories of the Zodiac Killer. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Yeah. And we look forward to seeing you in the next next one. one. Thank you.